Amen. Uh, again, good morning, everyone. And uh, I, again, I apologize um, for the technological difficulties that we all had this morning. Um, but uh, we made it work. Um, and all glory be to God uh, that uh, he's given us the technology to do that. Um, the uh, title of my lesson is uh, Fidelity and Faith. And um, I want to start off by talking about um, uh, a little bit about fidelity. And uh, fidelity is, um, and I don't have Webster's definition in front of me, but uh, fidelity is um, to be faithful um, or to continue to uphold uh, a previously uh, executed agreement um, or obligation. Um, and one of the beautiful things about uh, um, fidelity is that uh, we exercise fidelity all the time. You know, a husband exercises fidelity to his wife by, um, you know, remaining faithful in, in all things, and, and certainly uh, the wife to the husband. Um, you know, there are particular passages of Scripture, certainly where it says that uh, children are to honor their mother and their father. And it doesn't give an expiration for that honoring of the mother and father. And that's another example of, of fidelity in that uh, the children and the parents um, of those children, uh, you know, the scripture says that the, you know, the father should not uh, provoke his children to wrath. Um, you know, those are all expressions of mutual agreement between two parties in a relationship. And... Um, Staying true to that agreement is, uh, by definition, uh, fidelity. Now, how does fidelity tie into faith? And uh, that's what I want to talk about this morning. And um, I want to start off by, um, and, and Sister Tiffany uh, probably drives on this highway very often. It's the uh, Joseph Bastalone Highway in, in San Diego. It's right around Camp Pendleton. Um, and it's uh, in honor of a World War II uh, Marine, uh, enlisted Marine, who um, was given the, I believe, the Presidential Medal of, uh, of Freedom, or uh, the highest military honor a, pr a president can bestow upon a Marine. This particular Marine got that for uh, heroic acts on the battlefield. And uh, I was watching... Um, you know, a historical kind of a historical documentary um, about uh, World War II and about the uh, the Marine campaign in the in the Pacific Ocean. And one of the things that um, the uh, the program had mentioned about uh, um, this uh, this um, uh, Marine was that you know he felt that he shouldn't have been. Well, he certainly. Um, understood the reason why he was given the honor he felt that the honor should have been given to many of other many uh, many of his other comrades and and marines um, who lived and died on the battlefield that day and uh, uh, i got to thinking about uh, the possible and, and if you look at watch any other military documentaries about people who've been given um, awards for for meritorious acts on the battlefield um, you know, there are, 
there's kind of an internal conflict going on there about, well, why me? Why not the, the guy who, you know, saved a hundred lives, you know, the evening before, but didn't survive the entire campaign? You know, and there are a number of soldiers who are given uh, meritorious service awards, even after, uh, posthumously, if you will, after they're dead. But uh, the struggle of what makes me so special? And uh, I was looking at, uh, even before that, I was watching a program, ESPN, and uh, LeBron James was given an explanation about why he speaks out on social issues. And, uh, you know, just to summarize, he said, why not me? Um, you know, there's many people who, who look like me, <clears throat> who talk like me, but yet don't have the platform that I have. Um, and, and really, he said, you know, I'm, I, I'm not special other than the fact that I'm six foot eight and I play professional basketball. Um, and why shouldn't I or why wouldn't I speak out on social issues just because I'm one of the lucky few? Um, and, and those two accounts really resonated with me about um, the difference between goodness and greatness. Um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, you know, and I'm going to use this term, Thomas Garner is going to use this term, it's not in the scriptures, but, you know, what's the difference between a, a good Christian and a great Christian? And I, I know the, the answer to that question is there's no such thing. Um, there is only a faithful Christian. Um, but if you're kind of, if you feel like, you know, you're, you know, you're kind of riding the fence, you're, you're not quite as engaged um, in your spiritual health or in the activities of the, of the congregation, um, more so relative to, to others, you know, what is the difference between you and that person or that person and you? Um, I was uh, printed off a, uh, a quick little summary um, about uh, a great general by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, Napoleon was uh, born on August 15th of 1769. For, for those who are, um, who are not familiar with uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, he became the, um, the first, well, I don't want to say the first, but uh, he conquered a, a large portion of, of Rome and Italy and France. Um, because of his military endeavors, but one of the things is he was five foot seven, and you probably heard the the uh, the saying, you know, he has a Napoleon complex. But he was five foot seven. He was on the the he wasn't short certainly, but was on the shorter end. Um, but he had a he had a feeling, if you will, that he was great, or he had a he inspired for greatness. Um, he uh, came from a, a middle-class family and, and rose up the ranks in the military to the point where um, he became emperor of Rome, if you will. And one of the things that I think about relative to Napoleon um, and others is what separated Napoleon from maybe some of the other uh, individuals in, in the military at that time? What separates LeBron James you know, 11-time MVP from uh, the guy who is, you know, just riding the bench for three or four years? Or 
what separates um, the good, the great Christian from the good Christian? And it has a lot to do with fidelity. And I'll describe that here in the scriptures in a few moments. So I'd like to uh, start off by looking at uh, a verse that we know very well, and it uh, can be found in the book of Revelations, the second chapter. And uh, I will be mentioning this verse again at the latter end of the lesson, but um, in Revelations, the second chapter, um, round about verse number 9 and 10, the angel of the church in Smyrna um, uh, wrote these words. Um, we can start at verse number 8. Uh, Revelation is the second chapter, and it says, "Unto the angel of the and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write: These things saith the, the first and the last, which is dead and is alive. I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. For none of those things which thou shalt suffer, behold." Sorry, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful until death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And when we read those particular verses, um, you know, the, the scripture, certainly in verse number 10, Jesus is saying that, um, we shouldn't fear what's going to happen to us, but we should carry out our obligation to be faithful until the very end. In essence, fidelity and faith. Um, we have an obligation as members of the body of Christ to serve God um, and to allow Jesus Christ to be the example of, of righteous living. We can go back and look at uh, you know, 1 John, um, and I mentioned this before, uh, relative to love that we are to the commandment is that we are to love God with all of our hearts our minds and our souls our spirits etc excuse me and a manifestation of that is that we are to be obedient to his commandments and his commandments are not grievous we have a le well I wouldn't say a legal but a spiritual obligation um, fidelity is the act of carrying out or acting upon that agreement. And as it says here in verse number 10, if we have fidelity and faith until death, uh, we will have a crown or Jesus will give us a crown of life. Um, <clears throat> again, in uh, verse 11, just to finish out this particular passage, Jesus says, he that, hath, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh, shall not be hurt of the second death. Um, and that's a promise. So, <clears throat> we all know that uh, faith without works is dead. And, and we can read that uh, in uh, the book of James, um, you know, where it tells us very clearly that um, a faith that is alive, if you will, is one that manifests, manifests itself in action. And I want, to I want to talk about um, a, a fidelity in faith or, or an example of, of faith in action. And uh, this morning we read in the book of Exodus um, the uh, third, well, we didn't read all of those chapters, but if you go back and you read Exodus the third and the fourth chapter, you read them an account of Moses 
um, having a conversation with God via a burning bush. And uh, we all know the story of Moses. Moses was um, born um, a Hebrew um, and <clears throat> um, through circumstances that you can read of in Exodus, the second chapter, he was adopted uh, by Pharaoh's sister and uh, raised as an Egyptian. Um, you know, the, 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 um, the movie, The Ten Commandments, by and large, the first, I'd say, 45 minutes or so is encapsulated in one chapter in the book of Exodus. Um, so there was some poetic license, obviously, in that movie. But um, one of the things that we do know is in Exodus, the second chapter, that Moses laid, uh, saw that one of his brethren, Hebrew, one of the Hebrews, was being uh, poorly treated by an Egyptian, um, by an Egyptian guard, and Moses slayed him. Um, the other Hebrews, after um, after observing that Moses uh, had slayed that individual, told him that he should flee. Um, and he did flee. He flew into the wilderness and he came across uh, a herdsman by the name of Jethro. And while Moses was out in the wilderness tending to the sheep, he came across a bush that was burning, but not on fire, meaning it wasn't turning into ashes. And uh, that place in which Moses had the conversation was holy ground, and he was speaking with God. And God, in the Exodus, the third and the fourth chapter, charged Moses to be his mouthpiece, to go to Pharaoh and speak unto him um, his wishes and his commandment to release his people uh, from Egyptian bondage. And throughout these, this conversation um, that uh, Moses uh, was having with, with God, uh, Moses, in every instance where he doubted, um, his ability or his or God's choice uh, of him to be his mouthpiece. God um, did a few things. Um, one in one instance, uh, God cr uh, created or um, allowed a, a venomous snake to be in the be in the area, um, and God commanded Moses to grab that snake, and it would become as stiff as a as a staff. Um, uh, God commanded Moses to put his hand into his bosom. And when Moses did that, his hand came out leprous. Um, and God healed that, uh, that condition, that momentary condition. Um, and as we read, <clears throat> as we continue to read on um, in, those two, in those two verses or two chapters there, um, Moses said, I'm not the guy. I, I am not eloquent of speech. I'm slow of tongue. Now, some, uh, some biblical scholars, and I know this doesn't say it in the scripture, certainly, but some biblical scholars uh, note that maybe uh, Moses had a speech impediment or, or had a stutter. Um, you know, I'll just take it for, for what it says there. Moses just felt that um, he just was not the type of person to eloquently speak in the halls of Pharaoh the requests of God. But God told him that all you have to do is open your mouth and I will speak on your behalf. And as you, it is you, we all know the story in the book of, uh, in the book of Exodus. I'm not going to, you know, go through it in, in great detail for the, for the sake of time. 
But because Moses exercised fidelity in his faithfulness, um, the, the Hebrews were free from Egyptian bondage. Um, someone who certainly was, um, by all and, uh, he started off, you know, humbly. Um, he was born a slave. Um, he killed uh, an Egyptian soldier. Um, certainly he committed a crime. Uh, but yet and still, God took that lowly individual, um, and because he exercised fidelity and faithfulness, um, he was able to overcome. He conquered, um, I wouldn't say conquered, but he was able to lead, um, uh, guide his, his brethren, the Hebrews, from Egyptian bondage. Um, and that's a, a testimony to one of the things that, that God frequently does, um, and, and I, I'll, I'll read a verse for you in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and verse number 27. Um, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised, God hath God chosen, yea, and those and things which are not to bring to not things that are. And why does God do that? Why has God chosen, um, you know, the the weak things uh, to confound the the strong, the uh, the foolish to confound the wise? Um, he answers that question actually a, a few verses right above that in verse number twenty-five of First Corinthians, the first chapter where he says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. He, the reason why he does that is he does that to show his majesty uh, and his might. And certainly, um, he is majestic and almighty, um, because he is the creator of all things. Um, and if we exercise fidelity and faithfulness, we can do amazing things. And you can, you know, going back to the book of Matthew where it talks about, you know, faith the size of a mustard seed, uh, where Jesus says, you know, if you had but faith the size of a mustard seed, you can literally move mountains. You can go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and look at all of the men and women of faith um, who were written here not just because they, not just because they believed, but because they exercised fidelity in their belief, meaning they understood that they had a relationship with God and stayed true to it until the very end. Uh, last Lord's Day, I talked about Rahab, um, who was a, a prostitute, um, you know, who certainly, and even in today's society, would um, be frowned upon or looked down upon. And I my apologies, it wasn't Hebrews the 4th chapter, but Hebrews the 11th chapter. Um, and even with her, you know, severely humble beginnings, because she was uh, exercised, exercised fidelity in her faithfulness, um, it led to the sparing of her and her family. Uh, you could look at Jacob. Um, you could look at uh, uh, Joseph. Um, who in particular, um, excuse me, well, I, I apologize, I snapped. Well, Joseph, who in particular 
exercise fidelity in faithfulness. Um, after being betrayed by his brethren and, and sold uh, into slavery, went over into Egypt, um, was thrown in prison um, for, for many years before he was released, and uh, God blessed him to, to be uh, Pharaoh's right-hand man, all for the purpose of being a source of relief for the very same family, uh, the very same people, rather, that had betrayed him um, into slavery. Even until the very end, Joseph exercised fidelity and faithfulness. And I guess the question is, if you look at all the examples of people who had humble beginnings, who maybe um, began their journey on the lower end of the social economic scale, um, what about you? What about us? Um, what is the transition? And again, I, I use these terms loosely between, you know, a good Christian and a great Christian. You know, a good Christian, you know, they, they show up for Wednesday night Bible class. They, they, they maybe show up for services most of the time. Um, you know, they, they pray some of the time. They read their Bible, um, you know, sometimes, but not uh, um, as frequently as they should. And then there, there are these quote-unquote great Christians, right, who typify all the things that are um, written. And, and if you have your Bibles, let's go over here and, and look at them. Um, in the uh, the book of, <clears throat> and I apologize everyone, I'm, I'm clearing my throat, I don't mean to be offense, uh, offensive, but uh, if you turn over to uh, the last chapter of the book of Colossians, sorry, the last chapter of the book of 1 Thessalonians, that would be 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, the... Starting at verse number 12, uh, Paul is exhorting the, uh, the church at Thessalonica. Um, you know, again, he's exhorting them to be great Christians, not just, you know, ho-hum Christians, not just average Christians. Again, I'm using these terms loosely. They are not in the scripture. Um, I'm using these terms, again, to emphasize a point. Um, but again, he's exhorting these brethren uh, to rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Um, as it says in verse number 17 of 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Uh, always giving thanks, uh, quenching not the spirit, despising not prophesying, proving all things, hold fast to that which is good, uh, and abstinence from the appearance of evil, um, giving oneself wholly to God um, in all things. And that is what is, a, that those are, uh, descriptive words that describes a great Christian. And that's what Paul was exhorting the brethren to do, is transition from one uh, stage of growth to the next stage. And what is, what is the dividing line? It says in verse number 24 of 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And, you know, the he obviously is, uh, is the Lord God, um, but he has called all of us as well to be faithful. And I, and I go back to, you know, the, the final kind of um, letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, um, where he says, 
be instant in season and out of season. Do the work of an evangelist. He goes on to tell Timothy in that particular passage that I have finished my I have I have finished the course, I have fought the good fight. He remained faithful until death. Again, fidelity in faith. And talk about his humble beginnings. Here was a man who um, was educated in all things uh, uh, in, the, in the Judaic law and persecuted Christians, threw them in prison. Um, it says that he signed off on the stoning of Stephen in uh, Acts, the, uh, the first chapter. But he, he ran into Jesus on the road to Damascus. Um, he threw his... He threw himself at Jesus' feet, if you will, um, was added to the body. And as it states in uh, 1 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Timothy, uh, the fourth chapter, he says, Again, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have remained. I have been. Uh, there is fidelity in faith. And that's what separates a, a good person from a great person. A, uh, an average ho-hum, you know, it's kind of like what the, uh, the angel of the Lord said to the church of, uh, I believe it's Thyatira in Revelations, the, uh, the second chapter about, you know, that they, Jesus told, told the church that I'd rather you not be uh, lukewarm, but rather cold or hot. Um, you know, Paul remained true to his obligations as a Christian until the very end. I want to talk, uh, just, just to finish off this lesson, um, about uh, believing, um, believing that you can be excellent or that you can be great. You know, the, the Scripture tells us that we can do all things through Christ with strength in itself strengthens us. Boy, that's a, it's a, um, a tough word to say. And I think about the excellence of all the men and women um, that are written in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. We can be excellent. It's not enough to just believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just enough to um, believe that 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 Christ is always going to be there for you, giving ex giving you exactly what you need in your moment um, of weakness. Um, but it is another to to act as if you believe. And if you look at all of the men and women, and uh, again in Hebrews eleven chapter, you will see that they were fidelitous, if I if that's even a right word. Um, in that their actions showed their belief. And I would say that uh, that is inspirational to me and hopefully is inspirational to you as you go into this upcoming week, um, that uh, we have an obligation to show and prove our faith. Um, and if we continue to show and prove our faith, as it states in Revelation, the second chapter, even if they throw us in prison, even if we are persecuted, remain fidelitous until death, or if we have fidelity and faith until death, that is when we will truly obtain 
a crown of life. And certainly Jesus is the example of that. Born a carpenter's son um, in an old country town in Bethlehem. Um, in 33 short years. Began uh, or laid the groundwork. The foundation of the of the church that we are all members of. He just began as a as a carpenter's son. Did he did he have moments where he doubted his uh, his faith? I I don't believe so because uh, certainly certainly he was uh, tempted in all ways that we are tempted. But he is the example for each and every one of us to follow. That even in spite of those temptations. Um, those disadvantages that he had in, 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 in socioeconomically being a carpenter's son from a, an old country town, not having a whole lot. Uh, scripture tells us he wasn't very good to look at, meaning he wasn't the most handsome, the most, you know, physically, um, you know, superior person. But again, even in spite of those things, um, we read in the scripture that now he sits on the right hand of the throne of God. And all of us as sons and daughters of God, we also have rights. We also have the ability to sit on that throne that Jesus now sits on. Again, if we remain faithful until death. So the lesson is yours this morning. If you have um, you know, any issues, if, if there is anything on your heart or in your mind rather, um, that you'd like to get off your chest, if there is a fault that um, you struggle with, and we all have them, um, the floor will be open unto you after the uh, song of invitation for you to make that known. And, and me, we, your brothers and sisters in Christ, will pray on your behalf that God will strengthen you in that way. Um, if you are having issues with your fidelity and faith, or holding true to your obligations as a Christian, I would say that uh, prayer is a good place to start. Secondly, is to get back into the book and study uh, and to read about all the ways that God will equip you um, to be fidelitous in your faithfulness, uh, to hold true to that. Um, it's not like, uh, you know, we are baptized into the body and then, you know, we're fed to the wolves. No, that's not how it works. Um, Christ and, uh, the, and His servants, the angels are actively participating in every facet of our life, giving us the tools that we need, um, or making those tools available to us. We just have to reach out and, and make use of them. But again, if you're having issues in that regard, again, um, uh, the uh, song invitation, or after the song invitation, you can make that request. So thank you all for your attention, and I'll turn it back over to Brother Marzette.